Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top 10. We fear the turtle, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, Turf fans? Fred, Ryan, and Ahmed back with another episode of the Shell Tell podcast. Episode 74, fellas. We're getting up there. <laughs> yeah. Close Cal's to 100. We're going to do something special for 100, I guess, right? We got to do something big for 100. In, up in person. Close. Yeah, One, in person. Live show. 100 sounds about like spring game next year. <laughs> Could be. Could be. <laughs> Quick math. I like it. Well, we got a lot to talk about on this week's show as the countdown continues. We're now 15 days away from kickoff 2022. Unreal that it's coming that fast. Uh, we'll start this week with a trip around practice and see how things are shaping up heading into the season. Yeah, we'll continue our annual positional breakdowns. And this week, we're going to highlight the defensive backroom and specialists. And pose the question if the special teams unit can actually be a strength for Maryland this season. Yeah, it sure Big wasn't turn. last year. <laughs> and Ahmed <laughs> gives us an update on the latest recruit buzz around both football and our hoop squad. Yeah, man. A lot of exciting things to talk about this week. But before we start this week's show, today's episode is sponsored by Quick Stretch and Body Works. Quick Stretch and Body Works helps athletes with the performance and recovery periods both during and in the off seasons. The naturally formulated athletic performance and recovery lotion is an easy, effective way for athletes to prepare for skill training and workouts in full swing. Founded by Todd Smith, a former college athlete and head athletic trainer at two collegiate programs himself. Even some of the athletes at the University of Maryland are taking advantage of this product, including star linebacker Ruben Hippolyte II. Make sure you head over to quickstretchbodyworks.com and check it out today. That's quickstretchbodyworks.com. All right, fellas, before we get into Terp-specific, we got to talk Big Ten conference news, big news surrounding the, the conference as a whole, as it was announced on Thursday that the Big Ten's reached a distribu uh, distribution agreement with CBS, Fox, NBC, and NBC Universal's Peacock on a seven-year deal worth up to $7.5 billion, with a B, billion dollars, man. That's insane. That's great money, as long as we're never playing on Peacock. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and and I even noticed the deal is uh, potentially could go up to ten billion, which is pretty pretty wild. That's that's insane. I mean, when you look at this thing, uh, it's projected to eventually distribute eighty million dollars to a hundred million dollars per year to each of the sixteen members. Once you include USC and UCLA in the mix, according to USA Today, the league distributed fifty four point three million to most of its members during the most recent fiscal year in nineteen twenty. Uh, not impacted by the coronavirus pandemic, whatever, you know, or whatever. Uh, so that's a huge, huge uptick for each one of these schools and just goes to prove that the Big Ten, man, is the cream of the crop right now. Yeah, Big Ten did what they needed to do. They got the schools in place, the media markets in place to get this deal done. And to me, I think that that's going to be the end of expansion for a while because why do you need it? I mean, the escalation clauses help to, to pay for if you want to do it. But you really don't need to at this point because you already got the fish. You already caught the money. I was going to say it's definitely possible that, you know, expansion may be, you know, kind of on hold right now. But um, at the end of the day, I think it kind of just proves that, you know, Big Ten's kind of at the forefront and kind of the trendsetter uh, in this new media wave and, and kind of new, new, new wave of college football. So it's been, uh, been pretty remarkable to see. 
Well, that was going to be my question with this. Do you think this impacts Notre Dame's decision to join the conference in any way? Because, I mean, you figure NBC has had exclusive broadcasts to Notre Dame home games since 1991, right? Uh, and this is obviously a huge uptick per year. Could this have been the, the final piece that Notre Dame needed to make that decision? Yeah, it kind of seems like – I mean, I, the thing is with Notre Dame is Notre Dame will always go at their own pace. So I think – True. I think it makes sense that, you know, eventually it feels like Notre Dame will probably be the most realistic uh, next domino to fall for the Big Ten. Um, but we'll see. I mean, that definitely, you know, kind of caught, caught my eye as well. You know, when uh, obviously with the, that long time affiliation between the university and network, uh, it just kind of feels inevitable. And this may be kind of that next step. Now, when it happens that who, who knows the answer to that question other than Notre Dame officials? It was just such great timing for the, you know, your media deal to expire at the same time as this expansion's taking over, the same time you're adding teams. I mean, the SEC was down there adding Texas and Oklahoma too, but they're locked up on their media deal for another eight years. So, like, they, they really, unless they just bang on the table and try to get them to, like, up it in the middle of a contract, they don't have a leg to stand on. They're, the Big Ten could take their entertainment anywhere they wanted to, and it helped a lot. Did, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Didn't the SEC just restructure their deal now with ESPN? Is that right? I think they're locked into ES ESPN and ABC to like 2032 or something crazy. Okay, and that's been in place. That wasn't something new. I think they're attempting to redo it because of what was just seen. Okay. Is what I, is what at least how I understood it because their numbers are nowhere near where we're looking at right now. Yeah. I don't think they would have settled to to what they're currently getting paid at this moment. Right. Yeah. I think it's fair. And, you know, obviously, you know, a lot of these a lot of these schools, I think it's all even the Pac-12 with the new media rights. They're kind of scrambling and kind of feel like that's kind of a threat to them. So I think a lot of a lot of these other networks that, that are involved with the Big Ten deals, uh, I think they'll they'll kindly kindly try and, you know, reevaluate and, you know, uh, reestablish a fair market value. Now, on a week-to-week -week basis, do you guys think this has any kind of impact or change anything with game time scheduling? Do you see more night games in the future potentially for the Terps, or is it still going to be basically the same type of structure? I think it could be, you know, I think it, and it's possible. I mean, you know, the, you know, is, is Maryland going to have, you know, Friday night games? Is that going to be something that's more common throughout the Big Ten now um, and, you know, be able to, to, to own the CBS at a 7 30 8 p.m slot and uh i think that that's kind of an intriguing aspect as well so um it definitely improves the opportunity for visibility how do you feel about that ryan yeah i mean i think that as we talked about before the biggest thing is that there's going to be relevant games for the terps at night always there's going to be teams playing on the west coast that matter for big 10 standings there's going to be 7 30 games all across probably two or three channels a night that you can pick which big 10 game you want to watch um so that's going to be a lot of fun it's going to you know for us because we are the east coast team i feel like it's going to be very similar to the ravens where even though they're one of the top shows in the nfl they want to put lamar jackson in prime time they're still on the east coast so they still get yeah. stuck with a bunch of early games because they're on the east coast and you can't make uh la play at 9 a.m <laughs> their time right. and and make it work so we're still going to see more of the 3.30 and noon games than our, our fair share probably would be. But sure, we'll get a few more primetime games in there. Well, you talk about the national media, right? And that's something that's uh, kind of been a buzz around the Terps lately has been the national media attention, really, that this team's getting across the country, mainly centered around Talia and the offensive firepower this team has. Uh, 
it's got me super excited for this year. I know we're kind of homers at, at heart, you and I, Ryan, anyway. Uh, and we tend to be a little bit more optimistic than the average fan, right? But I haven't seen this kind of national hype around a team since the day uh, in before a very Iowa. Long time. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> Up until the game, but I'm saying heading into a season, yeah, uh, no, they didn't it's give got everybody's attention, man. This this team's set to be an exciting team. Yeah, I think just kind of with the the offensive uh, firepower that's coming back, and obviously with Talia and what, all the wide receivers, all five offensive linemen coming back, and I think you know even the running back room, you know they're they're kind of young, but you know I think they do a really good job complementing each other. Yeah, I mean it's uh definitely reason to to be optimistic and and kind of see you know with you know heading into year four why why there's so much optimism and um, you know heightened expectations around this team going into the season. Well, I know in uh, his recent press conference, you had had a chance to talk to Locks, and you actually asked him uh, a question about what was the what's the key to success for this team. And he talked about the depth being the key to this team, uh, but he brought up some interesting names. You know, I've, we've created depth at all these positions, and so it's always going to be competition, and that's how we wanted to be around here. Um, we we're, We really believe that, you know, you have great competition. It brings out the best in our players. And that's one of the things through recruiting, uh, we've been able to create the necessary depth that allows that competition to happen. And, and, you know, we see it in the running back room. We see it in the receiver room. You know, we've got some talented players there uh, from a tight end standpoint, you know, guys like CJ Dupree and, and Corey Deitches, you know, and then you throw LaRon husbands in there and, and been really pleased with, you know, his development you know, I thought uh, from a linebacker, inside linebacker position has some really good depth there. And so there's been great competition with those guys. And, you know, up front, we rotate a bunch of players. So we always want to keep healthy guys on the field. And we've created pretty good depth in the front seven. So that competition is, is something that's ongoing. It's something that's really made us a better team. You know, talking about that depth, and, and I thought he brought up a couple of key points in this thing. Running back depth, I think you and I, we had all kind of talked a little bit about that, and there's a lot of depth there. A lot of it's young depth, right? A lot of it's unproven depth. It's it's hopeful depth, but there's a ton of it there. Uh, the tight end room, we had we had talked about C.J. Dupree. We talked about Corey Deitches, Chigakonkwo, even talked about Weston Wolf. But a guy that, that Loxley mentioned here that we hadn't really heard a whole lot about and didn't know that it, what his impact was going to be this year Laurent Husbands, what have you been seeing from him in practice? Anything good? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy. You know, he kind of balances as a receiving and and tight or uh, blocking tight end, and kind of can do a little bit of both. You know, again, you know, he missed all of last year. He had uh, two surgeries, one of them being a hip surgery. So now it's just that first year where he's kind of you know getting his feet wet a little bit more, and he's able to to kind of acclimate himself to the you know just day to day, and and obviously the technique under my tight end coach Mike Miller. So um, I think it is kind of intriguing. But, you know, I think uh, obviously with Dyche just kind of being that alpha dog in the room, and I think CJ Dupree is going to be that second tight end a lot. Um, wouldn't surprise me if we we do see uh, both Weston Wolf and Leron Husbands. Um, I think I think the two of them will probably be battling for, you know, that, that third tight end spot. But, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, obviously with so many receiving threats, you know, does Weston Wolf, does he still command the same amount of snaps. So it might be a, a package deal type of situation where, um, you know, husband sees the field in some packages, uh, Wolf sees it and, and others to kind of, um, you know, alleviate uh, Dupree and digest a little bit more. So um, definitely, I think there's some, some quality depth behind digest. who I think is going to be really big playmaker for this offense this year. This reminds me of the uh, spring game 
podcast where we played the game with uh, with Ellis, the r- coach speak or real talk. Right. It, is this real talk? Is this like the guy that's going to be, you know, competing for number three? Or is this just like you said, somebody coming back from injury, needed a little rah-rah, he's working hard, Locks wanted to give him his due and give him a little shout-out, give him a pep talk, you know, kind of thing on this side. We'll never know. But it was very interesting to hear that name first. It got it definitely caught my eye. Also, it was really good to hear Loxley saying nice things about the inside linebacker group because, you know, it was one of the worries we had was just like, yeah, like you said, we have plenty of potential. There's guys we've been excited about there, but we just really haven't seen them all put it together. So it is it is nice to hear that because we really haven't heard a bunch of promotion on that side of the ball. Well, a couple of guys that don't really need a whole lot of uh, rah-rah hyping up because their names kind of speak for themselves. Dante Demas, Jayshon Jones, both coming back from major injuries. How have they looked at practice coming back? Has things been good? Yeah, you know, they uh, this practice this past week, they were able to kind of you know work on some of those deep routes, and uh, Demas looked good, obviously, both of them, both Demas and Deshaun Jones. They both look good. They're both still wearing the knee brace. Uh, a couple others, like uh, Leon Houghton, Ramon Brown, but, you know, those are more precautionary. Um, you know, I mean, again, you know, I think I think both of them, Deshaun Jones, I definitely expect back, you know, full strength week one. I think Demas is still trending that way. You know, they're still being cautious with them, but, um, you know, it sounds like we'll, we'll see him, how much we see in week one you know i think that's kind of to be determined especially against buffalo you know you go three four touchdowns you know do you, do you just kind of help him you know get get the game reps and then say okay like you know just just relax or, or you know uh get get ready a little bit more uh but uh so far so good they're not being that cautious as we all saw the maryland <laughs> clip of dante throwing down a dunk from the from, from the free throw line at Lox's basketball court. I was like, where is his knee brace? Why is he playing basketball? What's going on here? <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't believe that that uh, happened or that they would promote that happening. <laughs> yeah, my heart skipped a beat. I mean, I went immediately into the Thunderdome. Shout out to the Thunderdome in our chat room, man, to see. And, of course, Dewey was in there already like, wait a minute. Why is this guy not wrapped in bubble wrap? What are we doing here? <laughs> he should here? be cryogenically frozen till game <laughs> yeah. time. Exactly. Uh, no, it's good. I, I have fears, obviously. I mean, we, we went through Terrell Suggs years ago, tearing his Achilles, playing basketball like that. So, I mean, look, they're human beings. They're going to be. They got to have fun. They're going to have fun. <laughs> they're going to do things. It's just, God, I don't want to see it. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Like, don't post it. I don't need to see it. I mean, just uh, them posting practice videos where they were throwing, like, the um, the big workout balls at yeah. them while they caught pass. I was like, why are you throwing balls at just Juan Jones' <laughs> legs? Are you out of your mind? Chill out, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we had talked a little bit about uh, the wide receiver core prior to going live, Ahmed. And another surprising name you had mentioned just kind of briefly, and I wanted to bring it up on the show because it caught me off guard. Specific name lining up at wide receiver, a guy out of St. Francis, but not a guy that we would normally think of at wide receiver. John Griffith lining up at wide receiver. What the hell is this about? Yeah, so I saw him two weeks ago at practice. Uh, it, was, it was after practice, and I saw him just with the wide receivers with uh, Coach Brewer, uh, and that was kind of weird. I remember I said something, and you know, no one else kind of acknowledged it, and they uh, I don't know <laughs> if they were paying attention honestly. And uh, you know, th- this past week, um, you know, the roster has him at number eighteen, and I was like, that is number seventeen, and that is John Griffith. And I asked someone. Uh, and it's just I was told it's a strictly uh, a camp fall camp move uh, with Deshaun Jones with the miss, you know, still, 
you know, it sounds like, you know, they're participating in the vast majority of workouts, which is kind of to help with the depth a little bit. And when the staff wants to stay cautious, uh, you know, Griffith kind of helps replenish depth a little bit more on, you know, third, fourth strings and whatnot. Uh, but I think it's kind of interesting. I don't think I ever expected Griffith to, to kind of line up as an athlete like that. Uh, I do think that uh, it's just kind of good for the quarterback room as a whole. I mean, obviously he was a guy that got there in January and, you know, once he moves back to quarterback full time, once the season starts, um, it just kind of gives them a, a dual threat kind of option. But, you know, he would be a backup guy still. Yeah, you can't, yeah. <laughs> can't, can't hurt uh, getting a little bit more athleticism. He would have to be him. wide receiver 11 at this point on this I, roster. Yeah. They're so yeah. deep at wide receiver. <laughs> yeah, If he takes about. a snap at wide receiver, this oh, season man. has gone see, really poorly. This season has gone right in the tank, <laughs> if that's the case. Either that or we've got a 60 to nothing lead, and let's hope for that. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> – Another thing that I, speaking of awkward and seeing things you didn't want to see, I'm sure you guys have both seen it. If you have it, you're purposely avoiding it. The big Penn State sign on 95 from Maryland to Happy Valley. I know that this is kind of like an annual thing, but why are, Why does Maryland not outbid whatever they're paying for that billboard? It's got to be a Penn State a grad. FU. It has, it has to, to be. be a Penn State grad that owns that billboard company. It has to be. <sighs> It's yeah. so frustrating. And, uh, I mean, I think I saw it was uh, uh, Bo Braid's dad. I saw he commented on it, and uh, Zaki Wheatley, his dad, had posted on Facebook. Uh, Want to say Tuesday or Wednesday night uh, this week, and I remember seeing it. And I think uh, uh, Bo Braid's dad commented, and was like, "Man, Lox is gonna throw fit when he sees that." And it kind of made me chuckle. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of because honestly, I mean, that's just you know the typical James Franklin Penn State stuff to you know, get under Loxley's skin. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're, it's, I think I heard it was on uh, the exit 53, I think going into Baltimore city. And then I think I saw someone else say, yeah, they saw it on two ninety five. Um, so, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, you, you know, if you want to look at it, you know, from the perspective of it's an obnoxious thing that Penn State's doing, that's fine. I, I completely think it's obnoxious, but let's be honest. I mean, Baltimore, St. Francis, there's never been a kid from St. Francis to go to Baltimore. So, uh, you maybe could chalk it up to a uh, poor investment on their part. Yeah, I mean, we need some of these graffiti artists in Baltimore City. I'm calling <laughs> yeah. all... Do your thing. That's a call, long way to climb up yeah, there, though. Calling <laughs> all tag artists. Like, yeah, take right. care of it. Send me the bill later, all right? Like, Load load up a car of squeegee kids and say, hey, come with me. I'll pay, pay you all uh, $100 for the day. <laughs> I just, oh, man. I've seen all kinds of people making big deals about this and, and then like whole articles written about what they've done and what players they've taken from Maryland. But then I didn't know enough about it. So I started digging into all these players' names and I'm just not impressed. Yeah, they were top five, top 10 recruits out of Maryland. But what have they turned into? They had a guy that transferred to Marshall after three years. They had a five-star that they got drafted in the seventh round. That's literally one step above the minimum possible thing that can happen to a five-star. Any five-star that doesn't die before his third year of eligibility can get a UDFA contract. So you got him a seventh-round draft pick. Congratulations, Penn State. They got a hyped-up <laughs> defensive lineman that has three sacks in four years. Why do we care? Like, Chop is probably the best one on that that's, billboard right now. That's that's where I was going to go with this whole thing. Because it was <laughs> salt in the wound. It was a recent picture, obviously, because Chop was up there. That one stings. It's still a little sensitive. But uh, I wanted to ask you, because we, we were talking about practice and whatnot. And obviously, the big name, speaking of uh, St. Francis, the big name to come in and replace him this year, potentially, Jay Sean Barham. Uh, he was named a preseason freshman All-American. Is he going to make me forget about Chop this year? How's he look? 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's a stud. I I think the kind of, you know, kinda when he came in and, and rolled as a freshman, I think the biggest thing was, uh, you know, whether he plays inside and out. And I think that was kind of a question that um, wasn't like, you know, oh, I don't know where he's projected. It's more like, you know, he can kind of play inside. He can play outside. Uh, where does he kind of fit? I mean, he's, I think, I, I had I definitely had high expectations for Chop when he we signed with Maryland and um you know he kind of struggled just kind of generating pressure off the edge and I know he struggled against Jalen Duncan in practice um, but I think Jason Barham I mean every single person you ask Brian Williams Ruben Hippolyte uh, I think Dante Trader got asked the question as well uh, Darrell Nachami I mean they all talk about you know this guy is essentially playing well above what you expect a freshman to play um, and that's not even bringing up Caleb Wheatland but I think Jason. I wrote it on the site earlier this week. It just kind of feels like it's just a matter of time until he becomes that that full-time starter. And now I think that's a big praise because, you know, you obviously have Ruben Hippolyte who will play one side and then Benaja Gote, Jeremy Sprague. And so I think, you know, it kind of speaks volume to, to just how dominant Barham is, um, you know, against the run, against the pass. Uh, I think he's a, he has great instincts, great speed, and and has a great feel for the game. And it mm. seems like it's kind of translated really well. And obviously, he benefits from uh, hey. rolling in January. Keep Talk these guys. Lingo. It's getting keep, me excited. Keep these guys fresh. I don't care. You got four starters for three positions, bro. Like, yeah. like go with that Eagles defense from a couple of years ago, where you it didn't matter. We didn't have starters. We just had seven dudes playing. Like, right. it worked out for them. So, uh, I'll, I'll be happy if we can keep them fresh, and hopefully that means keep people not injured because that's the key to our defense this year our yeah. starters can seven. roll but our depth is not quite where it needs to be on that side of the ball yeah so let's get into that man considering our annual positional breakdowns we're going to talk this week about the defensive backs first uh we'll start with the corner specifically because obviously if if you talk about depth being good on this team if there's any areas of concern it's cornerbacks it's dbs uh so how concerning is the depth to you ahmed with this group yeah, I think it's kind of intriguing um, because obviously I think when you look at the starters, you kind of know what you're getting. And I think, it, you know, there's a high ceiling with those guys. But then behind them, um, you know, Lionel Whitaker and Perry Fisher, I think those are two guys. Chance Harley is another guy who kind of came in from uh, from Villanova as well. So um, it's just kind of unproven. But I think uh, I remember talking to one person, you know, kind of just about Perry Fisher because he enrolled in June, in, uh, June excuse me. Um, and he was kind of asking, you know, like how, how's, how's that transition been for him? Because it was pretty pretty instant after he got on campus i think it was maybe with it was definitely within the week where he made that move from uh, wide receiver to corner um but what i was told essentially is you know he's a guy who's a former quarterback as well in high school um and just kind of having the, the 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 iq and the instinct as a quarterback to to help that translate as a defensive back knowing what the quarterback tendencies are that that kind of helps and obviously he's a great guy he has uh, really long arms uh, that was something that i kind of liked about him as a wide receiver but um i think he has you know natural speed as well so uh, i think i think he'll be leaned on and obviously Corey coley is a guy that you know he enrolled last january and uh, i think he benefits from you know playing week in week out you know nfl talent in the big 10 um so i think it there's definitely some unproven talent uh, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if 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 one of these guys goes down, hopefully, uh, God forbid, uh, you know, won't, you know, any of these guys miss time. Uh, but, you know, this room will have to grow up pretty quickly. Yeah, this is a room where you you, don't, you can't afford to have many injuries at all. 
Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you've got a couple of studs. I think Tareeb Still and Jacorian Bennett both can be great boundary corners for this team. I think the biggest question mark for the starting corners, who plays that nickel role? Who steps up and fills that spot? Anybody in the front seat you think for that? Um, I think it could be Tarheep still. And I think Isaiah Hazel, I know we have him as a safety and, you know, that's kind of where he is as, as a backup right now, but I think he could also kind of fill that role. But I think still when you had, uh, still Banks, Bennett, all healthy, I think still just his, his frame, uh, I think that, that kind of made him, made him a nickel corner. And also, also he did a really good job kind of generating pressure. Uh, and, and remember in conference play last year, they, they used him, uh, to help blitz, to help generate some additional pressure off the edge. Uh, so I think, you know, I think that's kind of that's kind of the the guy I have in mind right now. So yeah, you open. see, yeah, I was gonna say, so you see Bennett and Banks playing the boundary and still sliding into the slot in, in a nickel formation. Yeah, Banks. Okay. Banks was a was a big loss for that unit last year. I mean, I yeah. think he was a guy even when he signed in high school. I mean, I remember it was he was pretty uh, unknown commodity when he got offered and then he signed. But it was like every single time he got to campus, you just heard like, dude, this guy's like better. He's better than I thought the last time I worked out with him, or he's better than he was last month in practice. Like he's, he's a dog, uh, honestly. And I think he's a guy that he'll probably, um, you know, if, as long as he stays healthy, I think he's a guy that will definitely become a, a bigger name in the big 10. So I'm, I've, I've been a big fan of him. I think he plays uh real physical. Uh, I think, I think he'll, he's in line for, uh, for a big season. Yeah, still sack at West Virginia is uh, in the opening credits for uh, Shell and Tell. Is that corner blitz took took care of that quarterback no problem? That's right, right. You, you already mentioned the names, but I just want to talk a little bit deeper. I mean, Corey Coley, it's a big boy, six two one eighty playing corner, and like you said, he played an unfortunate amount of football last year um, with all the injuries that we had. He played eleven out of thirteen games, had multiple starts, and he stepped up at big times. He led the team in tackles against Michigan. He had his first pass breakup in the must win against Rutgers. So, like, he got early, you know, exposure that I think could help. He could end up being a good depth piece. Never thought it'd be there. Um, so I, I think that will help in the long run. Yeah. That experience is going to be crucial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, last season, you know, yeah, it's tough when, you know, you're kind of, you know, Jacorian Bennett was playing through, you know, the broken fingers, obviously Deontay Banks went down pretty early and then, you know, you kind of lean on Corey Coley to step up and, you know, when we kind of talk about, you know, the depth to, to kick off this unit, you know, we talk about Perry Fisher, Lionel Whitaker, Chance Harley, you know, guys that, you know, a little bit inexperienced, you know, at this, at the college level, but, um, you know, if they're forced to play early, um, obviously, you know, you, you, you trust Henry Baker because he's a guy that is very technical and he's he hones in on, you know, details and technique uh, with his cornerbacks. And you, you kind of see it during the open portion of practices. Uh, that's just kind of been who he is since he got to Maryland. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, if those guys all play now, you know, you look at this room two, three years from now, obviously, you know, portal can all change and, you know, bring in guys to, to help fill the, you know, starting roles and things like that. But that that's exactly what, what helps build uh, your, your the level of talent in the room. So I think Corey Coley is a guy, even though he was thrusted and, and asked to, to grow up pretty quickly, I think he's a guy that um, is kind of uh, a spinning image of, you know, exactly what you want, you know, guys that see their early playing time and, you know, down the line, they're able to provide that quality depth. So uh, I think it's, uh, very safe bet that you see Corey Coley in the two deep this year and uh, quite frequently on the field. Yeah, Chance Harley is one of those guys that I just forgot about. Like, it was one of those transfer portal hits that kind of was like under the radar in the complete dead period where nothing was really going on. 
I was actually doing the countdown when I came across him, and I'm like, oh yeah, like that's an option because when we when we lost uh, uh, Kenny Bennett, and I, I was looking at the spring game, and I was like, all right, well, you know. Levante Gator looks better than he's ever looked. And like the next day, Gator's like, yeah, I'm out of town. So like (laughs) the cornerback depth in my head was like a real problem. I mean, I know we've talked multiple times like, oh man, where are they getting me another corner? And I just kind of forgot this guy happened. I mean, you know, he he brings good credit with him. 6'1", 195 out of Villanova at the Landon School. He was all conference, uh, first team, all conference and a lacrosse star, which always screams complete athlete, athlete. <laughs> which is always good to see. See um, that with Jared Barnhart in the yeah. NFL right now. Great. <laughs> Ridiculous athlete. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one guy I did want to bring up uh, and, and just get your take on uh, is a guy that uh, I was kind of high on coming out of high school at Spalding. Jayon Venerable uh, hasn't played a whole lot since his time here with the Terps, but he was a stud at Spalding. Uh, I saw a video recently. I think it might have been Ty Felton picking mm-hmm. on him a little bit. I thought that was kind of uh, funny. De- but De- Deontay Banks. Oh, it was Deontay Banks. That's who it <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I saw that. What, what's your take on Venerable? Do you think he gets oh, into the rotation slow, at all this year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think he's a guy. I think he, he could play safety, but I also think he could kind of uh, that roll into a nickel nickel DB as well. I think just his frame and, and his tendencies – um, yeah, he, he does a good job breaking on the ball. So that's kind of where I see, you know, him p- potentially, uh, playing that role, um, just, you know, remains to be seen, you know, how efficient that he can be in man coverage. Uh, but I, I think that he's a guy that, um, maybe, maybe a year away from like significant playing time, significant, uh, but you know, he was the, well, I believe the first commit in that, uh, 2021 class. So, um, yeah, he, he, he did, uh, did a good job, um, uh, kind of just, just, Break not twenty excuse me twenty twenty class, um so I think he he did a good job of uh, uh kind of developing so um, we'll see I think it's a it's a possibility that we kind of see him in, on uh, on the field this year. Well, I'm gonna put your feet to the fire a little bit with this group, right? Because obviously the talent level with Bennett Banks is still uh, is elite. Do you think that they they're up there in the top three to top five in the Big Ten as far as the trio of corners if they're healthy? Would you put them that high? I would say top half. Um, I don't know if I'd say top three, but I think they have the potential to be. Um, at the end of the day, it's going to be all about you know breaking or turning the uh, pass breakups into interceptions. I mean that just I think it was the Indiana game last year when I, I again you know Jacorian Bennett was dealing with broken fingers, but you know that ball went straight through his hands and right to the uh, um, the opponent team, the Indiana wide receiver, and I believe they I don't think they got a touchdown out of it, but I know they got a big play out of it. Um, but, uh, you know, that, I think that's kind of the, the next step for these guys to, you know, cement themselves as among the best in the big 10. I think it's an impossible question because how do you even <laughs> measure just your top three corners versus the other top three corners? Because it's a position where you don't just play three dudes. Like there's plenty of plays where there's five corners out there playing so if they pick on your number four and five and your pass defense is terrible because the fourth and fifth guy couldn't hack it it's going to be really hard to say i i do think that out of this group you're going to have at least at least one probably two second team cornerbacks um in the big 10 like second team all big 10 type deal good for me i like it um, yeah. but I, I just think that they're 
because they they could spread the ball out on us. So we, we might not see the overall team stats to back it up. I really hope I'm wrong. I hope we got a bunch of studs. There's plenty <laughs> of people in here that have some ball hawking history in high school and, you know, at, at, over the years. So, hey, high risk, high reward seems to be what the offense has been over the years. Let's get our hands on some balls on defense and make this work. Yeah, and I think uh, I was just going to add, you know, one point on uh, Chance Hartley. I think that that's a guy. Uh, so he got added to the roster uh, the day before camp started, and he's the son of uh, Charlie Harley, who was in back-end uh, addition to the staff, and he filled uh, the role that Henry Frazier once had. Uh, he left the program, and uh, his Chance dad, Charlie, was uh, the new uh, direct character in leadership development. So that was kind of how that whole transfer happened and kind of helped add some depth. And obviously, you know, he, it wasn't like uh, we hired your dad so we can get your transfer DB. It just kind of all worked out that way. So I think, um, you know, I think that's another guy that, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be leaned on. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, just playing multiple players, that's a guy that's going to see the field a lot. Corey Coley, uh, Lionel Whitaker. Um, so we'll see. I mean, Lionel, Lionel Whitaker was a guy that they, they liked a lot as well. So yeah. um, it, it'll, it'll be interesting. Talent. I think he had like five interceptions was in a senior year or something. Big yeah. ball hawk. And the all hair team. Best hairdo on the team. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that is fact. That is fact. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move to the last line of defense uh, being the safeties, right? Because that's probably the biggest question mark uh, because obviously you lost immense talent. I mean, you lost Nick Cross and Jordan Mosley both very talented safeties so they're big shoes to fill um Bo Braid Trader do you think these guys are up for the task yeah I think so I mean I think Trader is a guy that he's kind of been able to draw some some consistent praise and I think the only question that I had coming into the offseason is I know he got a chance to play a ton last year 12 games um so I think that you know he has he's flashed the range he's flashed the, the the speed and the instincts um and he's um I don't want to say he's soft-spoken leader, but like he, he's, you know, he's kind of emerged as that young uh, voice for the, the safety room. Um, but I think it was kind of interesting, you know, Isaiah Hazel was a guy that uh, I thought, you know, had a chance to, you know, be that, you know, as, just as the veteran, uh, the early leader. But, you know, I think Trader's kind of st- quietly, you know, taking, taking that job as his own uh, through fall camp. Uh, so I think, you know, I think Trader kind of fits perfectly as a free safety. And then Bo Braid, uh, I think he's a guy that you can even come in the box and, and kind of generate pressure that way. I think he's really good tackler uh, and has we're probably going to see some big hits out of him uh, probably this year. If not, you know, for the rest of his Maryland career, I think he's a guy that uh, is definitely going to turn some heads. So um, we'll see. You know, it's a it's a young tandem. So it'll be interesting to, to watch. I hope so because Ahmed's been saying <laughs> Bo Braid's name for a long time, yes. even before even before Nick Cross left. But in my head, Nick Cross is a man to replace because I don't think we ever got to see what Nick Cross truly could or was in this defense because he constantly had to play out of position to cover injuries elsewhere. He had to play in a spot in in man coverage in places that I don't think he's going to do in the NFL. But that's I, a strength to Nick Cross is his ability to play oh, in the box. He can he can line up as a free. He can play all over the field. That's a benefit to him. 100%. I think that Nick Cross is going to be one of those terps that takes a ridiculous jump in the NFL. He's going to look better in the league than he did in college is my thought be process because hopefully he'll be in a spot where he gets to play to his strengths and not what we need from you today. Right. Um so I think that Nick Cross is awfully hard to replace. I hope they can both be Jordan Mosley level and we would still be okay. 
Well, you mentioned Dante Trader and Bo Braid. Obviously, they're the front runners to be the front two. Uh, in passing, you kind of mentioned Isaiah Hazel's name uh, in the mix. Does he look to be that third rotation guy? This is a guy that was a big get for Loxley, but as a wide receiver. And, you know, you do see a lot of wide receivers transition to defensive back and vice versa. Worked out pretty well for uh, Diggs' brother uh, in the NFL Trayvon. now with her Trayvon uh, with Dallas. Do you think Isaiah Hazel's got a chance of being in that three-man rotation? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, again, like you, what we talked about, you know, he, he's a guy that, you know, his fourth year, I mean, he's he's seen a lot of playing time. Um, and, you know, you can't discount that, especially, you know, come Big Ten play. So, yeah, I, I expect Maryland fans to kind of see him. And, you know, inside linebackers, obviously defensive rotations and whatnot, you know, that's that's uh, a mainstay. But we've kind of watched that inside linebacker unit and then on the back end, you know, some some uh, rotations. And obviously even with Nick Cross last year, you know, just to try and keep guys fresh. So, yeah, I, I expect that Isaiah Hazel definitely has a role. And uh, he made that move as a wide receiver to safety. And there was there was talk at a high school that, you know, maybe defense is kind of the best spot for him, you know, the, for, you know, pro potential. Uh, but he made that move, kind of approached Loxie and said, hey, you know, um, it's, 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 there's a bunch of guys in front of me right now. I want to see the field earlier. So that was kind of what helped facilitate that move to defense. Yeah, I think Isaiah Hazel is just going to be that, you know, athlete. I mean, that's what he is. He came over the flip from WVU as a wide receiver. We don't know if he's going to play backup corner, if he's going to be a starting corner. Is he going to play backup safety? I think realistically he's going to be that Number two, kind of all the way across the board. Somebody that can just fill in, keep these guys fresh, move along. But my biggest question is also, when are we going to see some of these younger guys, some of these depth pieces? How are they going to use this, you know, four-game session that, that we've had? When are we going to see our freshmen, Ahmed? Yeah, I think, you know, that's another fair question. I think Gavin Gibson was the guy that he tested very well in the spring. Uh, among the fastest TVs that you know were healthy, or fast, excuse me, fastest players on the team uh, of yeah. the guys that were healthy. Um, so I think he, he, you know, when you watch a, the look at the uh, transformation picks, um, he was the guy that you know he looked noticeably different. Um, and then obviously Levain Scruggs, you know, he he enrolled in June. Um, Lots I think, more uh, tattoos. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, um, yeah, and it was a debate whether it was a sleeve tattoo. I remember that. From, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he right. just put some clouds on his arm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, I think you know, again, you know, Loxley's pretty strategic with getting those guys. You know, ma maximizing their four games uh, while maintaining a red shirt. Um, do you both of those guys? Do they see the red shirt? You know, it's a possibility. Uh, but we'll see. I think it's it's possible that you know between one of these guys or two of these guys, excuse me, one of them will will probably play more than four games. Um, I'd lean toward Gibson just because he's got here earlier. I think Scruggs. I think he kind of fill fill in you know behind uh, Bo Braid there. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I think it's uh, it'll be kind of kind of intriguing. I think they'll probably both play two out of the first three. Probably one of them will play That's Buffalo fair. and Charlotte, and one of them will play buffalo and smu and then just kind of gauge how the rest of the season goes um and see where we need them and if they're going to burn the red shirt how much more they'll have to play um, but i think that'll get them a good look at what they have out of these two guys if they can split it up that way with a little bit better athletes in those charlotte and smu games to test them against and see where we're at um is probably how i would see it playing out yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like, listen, I understand that there's a lot of question marks on this part of the defense specifically because, like you said, there's just not a ton of depth there, and you gotta you got to keep these guys healthy. But the core group of what we have, the starters that we know that are going to be out there day in, day out, I feel like this can be – has the potential to be a very good group 
if everybody stays healthy. So that's going to be the key to this year. You know, and yeah. it's Terps key every year. Got to stay healthy. Got to stay healthy. Uh, so hopefully we can do that. Before we go any further, we want to take a second to highlight Nilwire. Nilwire is a fan-first NFT marketplace created by a couple of brothers whom are also former athletes to help connect fans and athletes together. Their mission is to help athletes monetize their name, image, and likeness utilizing blockchain technology and bringing value to their fans. With Maryland defensive lineman Mo Kite and Ami Finau partnering with this fast-growing company, their vision is to help athletes beyond sports and provide them a network with fans on another level. Be on the lookout for the Baller Series 1 NFT collection, which will be launching on the Nilwire Marketplace this month. Make sure to sign up for pre-sale on nilwire.io to get early access to the athletes' NFTs and support the players. That's nilwire.io. I got to be honest. I wasn't a big NFT guy for a while, but now that I know a couple of Maryland guys are involved with it, I'm going to support it. I need, yeah. I need to check it out. I need to f- I, listen, if Gary V's behind NFTs, then I'm going to be behind NFTs. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and um, Turtle NIL, the uh, Maryland Basketball NIL Collective, uh, you know, they're, they're also utilizing uh, NFTs as well. For uh, They did it last season with Fats, Dante Scott, Eric Ayala. So um, it's, a, it's an intriguing space. Yeah, I mean, I, I was on the Twitter live space when uh, NIL or No Wire here was was first launching. They had all their athletes with them. I think there were actually three players on the Terps um, during that uh, during that um, live Twitter space, and they all seemed pretty excited about it. And there were also combinations where, for the guys that aren't really sure of the NFTs, there were a lot of discussion about this kind of this first launch where, yeah, it's an NFT, which is like a picture with, you know, code behind it saying it's yours but there was also physical items that came with some of these purchases and you know um whether it be memorabilia or just interactions with players things like that that are more tangible for people that just don't get the nft world still check it out because they had some cool stuff talking about it that way that was me i was one of those guys that was one of my old man moments when i finally realized like this is my first old man like technology thing that i just don't get (laughs) in the beginning i just didn't understand it uh, but now I, mean, I think it's really cool. And obviously it's, it's the new way of the future, man. And the way of collecting things and displaying things and having ownership of something in a digital world. So yeah. make sure you get out there to nilwire.io and check it out today. Well, we're talking about a couple of stud players out here for the Terps and Ahmed had a chance of asking Loxley about who he thought the front runner, the top weapons, the leaders on the team were going to be. Um, and we're going to check that clip out now roughly having that first week of pads so far um i know you b- before fall camp you kind of mentioned you know this is kind of the time where you find you know your playmakers your leaders things like that um anyone kind of been able to fill those shoes early on yeah i mean we, we've had a bunch of guys that, that make make some plays and practices and games the guys that have been around here and done good things have still been consistent uh in the receiver room the running back room our dbs the front seven so um it's really hard right now to just throw out some names. If I were to throw out a name, I'd say it starts with Chad Ryland, our, our kicker. Um, you know, I haven't talked a lot about that, but probably one of the best pickups we've had out of the transfer portal. Uh, another weapon, um, scoring the ball is really important. And he is, he came back from uh, his offseason training and has been killing the ball. And I'm really, really excited about having that consistency from that position. So if I had to give somebody a little love about, you know, Guys that really have stood out to me, it's it's Chad Ryland and his confidence is at all-time high. He's kicking the ball out of the end zone on kickoffs. He's been very accurate on his field goals throughout camp, and 
I really expect him to have a big year for us. We're and talking about kickers. Did I hear that right? Like we're the, talking about kicker. All the names, leaders, and weapons. <laughs> a kicker, right? I mean, how yeah. much? Ah, oh, how like frustrating was the special teams unit last year as a whole? And how many games? Have we all the way there? until like, Virginia Tech game. It all was the way terrible. until Virginia all Tech. Yeah. Until the Virginia Tech I gave game. them that good juju, <laughs> and then they started off with a return for a touchdown. That was great. Uh, but I mean, to hear that, it's a big, big boost over where we were last year. I mean, Petrino. You know, he started off hot as you know, younger, yeah. and then it seemed like his career kind of tailed off a little bit as he got older. I don't know if the pressure just got to him or what happened over his career, uh, but to get a guy in here like Chad Rylands, one of the the best, you know, incoming transfers uh, for this class, I think is big for this team. It's going to be big for the offense. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I got a chance to talk to Ryland uh, actually, and uh, a couple of times now. You know, before he transferred, after he transferred, and uh, at that big uh, Maryland media day, excuse me. Um, and I asked him because I saw a clip where he nailed a uh, 65 yard field goal. I believe it was that. at Bulls. Yeah. And I was like, is that your career long? He's like, yeah, no, I hit a 75 and yeah, you know, I had the <laughs> okay. wind on my back and I was just like, dude, 65, no 75. Deal. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, and that, and you know, that's kind of why, I mean, granted, you know, after first scrimmage, you know, that's kind of, um, it was the first couple of days in full pads. We were reported the Friday before, you know, they were in pads and they were in partial pads. They last Tuesday, they were in uh, full pads. And then, you know, that, that after that first scrimmage, you know, that was, again, you know, a couple handful of days where Moxie was able to see that. But I think Ryland one, you know, I think he's one of the best kickers in the country. I, it was actually uh, Logan Delizio, my guy on the site. Um, he, he got a chance to talk to, uh, uh, an anonymous portal kicker that Maryland was looking at before Ryland came. And he was like, yeah, yeah you know, that <laughs> <I like that. laughs> uh, he, uh, he, he was saying, you know, he's like Ryland, he's one of the best guys, uh, best kickers in, in college football. So, um, you know, I think when you look back at, especially at conference play last year, uh, there were a lot of opportunities where, you know, where Maryland maybe was not in the red zone, but they were close to it. And, you know, you get a chance to add an easy three and you know, that, that stuff kind of helps a lot. And obviously not just from a score perspective, but from momentum perspective. Uh, so I think just adding a guy like Ryland one to be able to have that confidence in him. And then obviously two to extend that, you know, that 35 yard uh, yard line range that, that, uh, that uh, uh, Petrino had a season ago. Uh, I think that that kind of uh, just amplifies what, what Maryland's efficiency can be on offense this year. Yeah. I spent a good hour looking for the clip because last year Locks had that press conference where he was like, we have our number where we're confident we're going to have the kicker because they went on for fourth down. I couldn't find it, but it was basically was, we're not going to tell you what the number is, but there's a number. And if we don't reach that number, we're not kicking a field goal. Yeah. Right. And so it's like to think about that press conference where it was like, what the hell do you kick a field goal for versus we have the best kicker in the league. We're going to kick yeah. it whenever we want three points. Exactly. Like, <laughs> I mean, you think about all the struggles. We talked about it, how efficient the team was and how effective they were between the 20s. Once they got down inside the 20s, that's where things tend to stall. But you still didn't seem like they had a whole lot of faith in, in the kicking game there. So to have a guy like that in your back pocket that you do have that faith in, that you do have that confidence in, uh, it's just going to help this team all around. I hope he just goes 75 for 75 on extra points. But like, if we need yeah. a field goal, great. Like, Let's get three instead of zero. Like, yeah, that's, right. that's awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you and I, Ryan, were at the uh, the Ravens preseason game uh, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, football's back. Two, uh, it was $3 for you to go yeah. or whatever. It $10 was tickets. So you got so to bring the whole, like, bring the whole bring, family. Yeah, I can bring five-year-old girls and not feel like an idiot. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, three, there were a couple of former Terps there. You had uh, Chigaconquo, Chance Campbell, and uh, Sam O all playing for the Titans, so it was cool to see it's them come back. We saw uh, a lot of Chance and Chig, a little bit of Sam O, but it, a lot of the other two. Uh, yeah, I heard, for sure. I heard this past week that uh, it sounds like Chance is, is probably going to make the uh, the Titans roster. It sounds like if don't know what he what he sees on on uh, defense but very likely on special teams so yeah he played um, on every special team so yeah. i'm not shocked to hear that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. both so, of them look like they're doing pretty well there, yeah. going through the rookie bumps and stuff like that but either way i think both of them are going to be a big part of what that titans team's doing this year uh but another key moment uh to that ravens preseason game is kind of kind of become an annual tradition at this point uh mike loxley and crew was there to announce a scholarship, two scholarships. Kind of cool how he did it. Yeah, it was really cool how he did it. Again, another clip that I tried to pull, but dang, that audio was terrible. But yeah, but yeah he he announced a, a scholarship, and uh, he went with uh, our 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 punter um, Colton Spangler as the as the the first announcement. And uh, as everyone was celebrating with Colton, uh, Locks let it <laughs> sit a little bit, and then said, "And we're lucky enough to have two punters." I'm putting. Anthony Peckrell on scholarship, which was really cool. And then when you heard like the audio later, because I didn't catch us in the in the stadium, Lox is going over to, to Ant going, and you was big mad. You were real <laughs> mad. Like, like it's just really cool to see the relationship those two have. Like it's clearly like this like almost brother like poke fun and like get under each other's skin. Like they seem like you can't detach the two. Like any picture of Mike Loxley has Anthony Peckerell in it. It's, yeah. it's, where's Peck, Waldo in this photo? It's one of those guys that just demands like a, a conversation, demands attention. Like that's just who he is. It's his personality. He's a he's a very vocal guy, fun loving guy. Man, there's a lot to like about Anthony Pecorello. So it was really cool to see not only him but Colton Spangler both go on scholarship in that game. It was really yeah. cool. Yeah, oh, you was big mad at big <laughs> mad. <man. laughs> But another big question uh, around this special teams unit, because obviously both of those guys, Pecorella and Spangler, are coming back, so we're good there with our punting group. Yep, you got to do with uh, a monster leg and a dude that can pin corners, and that's why we got two of them. Exactly. Uh, but the big question mark is, who's going to be returning kicks? And we've been frustrated over the last year or two seeing stud-wide receivers back returning kicks. Some of them ended up getting hurt, going out for the year. We're not going to mention any names. But we've got a pretty good group of guys that don't look like it's going to be the the number ones back there. I mean, Tareem still could still factor into the mix, but I, I I'd rather see him in bubble wrap on the sideline for kick returns. Uh, but this they've got a couple of guys they can pick from to return yeah. kicks. I mean, I think Tareem still. I mean, he's he's kind of been you know the primary punt returner his first two years. So I expect him to kind of be that third guy and then uh again my guy logan delizio he he heard a couple names ty felton deontay banks octavian smith roman hemby and i think when you kind of look at all those names you know the all those guys kind of fit the same mold uh i think ty would be the the, the biggest guy in terms of you know his frame but uh, all those guys you know they they're shifty they're that very great top end speed, especially Roman Hemby, Octavian Smith. And if you're a subscriber on Inside the Black and Gold, I've raved about Octavian Smith more than once this offseason. And I think it's uh, really lived up. I think he he might be uh, the, 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 the underclassman that kind of surprises some folks this fall. Uh, but again, all those guys have great speed, great in the open field. So not a complete surprise that you see all those guys kind of rotating in. Octavian, a guy that they would risk potentially burning the red shirt for? Yeah, 
I yeah. think I think it it and again, you know, that wide receiver room just has so many guys, but I think Octavian Smith, um I think he's making a pretty strong case so far this year. Uh so it'll it'll be interesting to see. You know, maybe he ultimately does. Uh at the end of the day, again, like I said, you know, there's so much top end talent in that room. So um it, I I, th- I just think Octavian, uh he he's kinda been as advertised. And I think even, you know, I, I've kind of been open about the fact with Brown's cornerback depth concerns you know does octavian who you know everyone mm. said you know he can be a really good wide receiver but he has an nfl potential at few, at corner um and i i kind of thought you know it seemed like it was inevitable to move him to corner but you know he's going to stay at wide receiver um but yeah i mean i think it is possible that Marion fans see him for more than four games this year so uh he's, he's gonna be a, he's a fun guy to watch and he's a even easier guy to root for once you get to know him more yeah, I was just looking at the heights on these guys because in my head, Octavian Smith just sounded too long just from my high school highlights I was watching. But both him and Tyre 6'1", so I'm not, like, you know, completely against that. It's probably on the high end of the guys that I want returning kicks. I want no 6'3", 6'4", lanky bodies out there getting laid up anymore. That's not who's supposed to be there. Um, but, yeah, I don't hate any of these names. There's a ton of speed, ton of youth and talent. Um, Tarheeb's still, uh, I think, more just punt return i don't really think he's a, should be out there on kick returns it's great to have your starting corner available in case they do something dumb uh on a punt team that's always great to have him out there but uh, i there's there's a lot better options here than we saw last year yeah <laughs> in, in, in my starting opinion here <laughs> my my gut is that kick returner we we see banks and hemby i think that's my gut i and if it's not banks it's going to be octavian um but you know i I don't want that to come across as me dismissing ty because i think ty is uh i've heard he's done really good uh about that wide receiver and i I think he's kind of flashed a little bit he's electric uh, man yeah uh, especially at at kick return so i think um he he has a chance but i think just banks and hemby hemby has you know the top end speed that you know we've heard it coming out of high school and then through last year and then obviously he redshirted last year but you know he's going to play a big big role in that running back room and i think um you know you maybe maybe you have all these guys because the running backs you know they're they're kind of leaning on multiple younger guys you know do you keep them fresh things like that so i think i think it'll be kind of interesting to see what what ends up getting finalized but like you guys said you know there's multiple guys that can kind of fill that role but i think just Banks and Hemby. I mean, Banks did it even in the spring. So, uh, and Banks, I think, had uh, kick return touchdowns in both scrimmages, if not at least one. So, um, you know, all these guys are more than capable. So, I don't expect to see Rack on punt return at all. But are you telling me Rack's off the kick return now too? That's that's what we're hearing. So, um, okay. so so we'll that see. Makes I mean, me feel he's better, and, and he's another guy that you know he he he, he fits. He that showed it last better. year. We we've showed it yeah. NFL. If you want it, that's what I did. We don't need yeah. to do it anymore. exactly that's that's not my issue my issue is that the fact that these guys can't do it is that i don't want them doing it because it's just too risky to have some of these guys out there doing it especially when you have some of the depth at wide receiver and running back and you've got electric speed with these guys that aren't getting a whole lot of playing time let them have these specialty roles let them kind of find their niche and their impact on this team and i think felton banks octavian smith even hemby all those guys could fill fill in very nice in that role i think great All right, guys, let's take a a trip uh, around recruiting, talk a little uh, recruits, because I know last week there was some big news around the basketball team. Uh, It's new IMG four-star guard forward Jamie Kaiser committed to Maryland this week. Tell us a little bit about Jamie and what uh, he brings to the Terps. Yeah, he committed uh, in, in early August. I think it was the first first weekend of August. Uh, I think he was a guy. I mean, you know, uh, he he's a 
been arguably the biggest fast riser in the, in the country. Um, just what he's able to do uh, around the rim. I think he's been able to, to take a lot of strides as a shooter. Um, but then obviously, you know, just with his physicality, obviously his football background as well. Um, he does a really good job of, you know, finishing around the rim um, and absorbing contact. And I think that's kind of uh, just the, the high ceiling that he brings. And um, he's a guy, you know, just through the summer. I mean, I heard it multiple times, you know, he was a guy that, uh, would kind of alter plans because, you know, he just wants to work out a lot. And uh, obviously, you know, coming out of his junior year, I heard he had about 13, 14 different schools that were kind of in the running for, you know, where he's going to play for his senior year. And then he landed at IMG and obviously IMG's facilities play a big part in that. But I think, you know, with Jamie, uh, after Jonathan Lamoth, uh, Lamoth, he, he committed out of St. Francis, uh, Jamie was kind of that next big domino and, um, you know, it was probably going to happen in, in end of July or excuse me, end of June, early July. Um, and then obviously, you know, you had new interest that came out. I knew Auburn, Oregon, uh, UCLA was another school. UNC was kind of sniffing a little bit, but uh, kudos to Willard to, to kind of lock Big down. Big dogs guy. we chased off our yard. Big dogs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was, it was pretty impressive. And, you know, I mentioned it before, but uh, he was a football guy first. Uh, well, he always played football and basketball, but he was a football prospect first, and Maryland was that first Power Five. And uh, you know, he even said it himself in the in you know during during this summer. Um, but he said if he opted for football, um, he he was going to commit to Maryland as a quarterback. So it's kind of kind of interesting to see that when you think the whole thing, how how everything kind of played out. Um, he ended up being being a Terp in the end. But um, you know, once once you know he, he came back from that Indiana trip, and you know Auburn was starting to reach out as well, and. I know Maryland was kind of you know, saying, "Hey, you know, let's we're, we got to figure out where we stand before you make that move down to IMG, which uh, should be happening this upcoming week, uh, next couple next few days, where he makes that move down to IMG." Um, but uh, he got a chance to go back to an unofficial. Him and his dad came up, got a chance to watch film for you know a couple of hours, and that has sealed it. And then he announced uh, it was a Thursday visit. And he announced it that Sunday. Uh, so, like I said, you know, kudos to Willard because they've they've got some momentum on the trail now. Yeah, man, definitely kudos to Willard. This is a guy that, like, I'd heard his name, but I hadn't really paid a whole lot of attention to him until, like, there was seriousness that Maryland could potentially land this guy. So I started just watching some clips and stuff, and I'll show my age here, but what I first saw him physically, I didn't know he I, – I figured he had a ba uh, football background just because of his size. I didn't know he was a quarterback, but I actually kind of – his size and his build – reminds me of Tony Gonzalez back in the day when Tony Gonzalez was playing college basketball. He was built very similar. Obviously he went on to have a hall of fame career as a tight end in the NFL, but he had a very physical man built body in high school. And then as a freshman in college, I think that's what this guy brings. And that's exciting because that's what this team needs down low for sure is they need some strength and somebody that can actually muscle guys around. Yeah. Um, and I think he kind of has that versatility. I think he can play. He's kind of listed as uh, I think guard and forward on some recruiting services. And I think he kind of is interchangeable to two or three so uh that that's also pretty nice for maryland <laughs> and how old were you watching uh tony gonzalez and <laughs> i was college young. basketball i was young i was young it was long, I many, many moons ago <laughs> i remember those clips from his hall of fame speech i think I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh man well any other names out there that terps fans should be keeping an eye on or any buzz yeah paul the, paul the six uh four-star shooting guard to sean harris 
Harris Smith uh, was told this week that he should be announcing by the end of August. Doesn't sound like anything in terms of a commitment ceremony, commitment timeline, commitment date. You know, any of that is kind of finalized just yet. Uh, you know, Deshaun Harris Smith is a very reserved guy, but uh, was told a commitment video is kind of uh, that's going to be the ultimate route. Uh, I believe he has started, if not, is starting soon. Just filming that, you know, doing like small clips, things like that. But um, so we'll see. You know, I I, I think. Um, there, there could be some updates this weekend. I think we we'll maybe get some, some more clarity kind of on, you know, where his head's at. And, uh, but right now, you know, Maryland's been doing a good job at seemingly, you know, right after Jamie Kaiser went public with his pledge, uh, Jamie Kaiser and Deshaun Harris-Smith, you know, those are two guys that are very close friends. They used to play on the PYBL I, team back in. I thought Earth. they played together. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Done, uh, and, uh, but way, way back. And, you know, those guys, it, it's not, I was told it's not pressure, but it's just more, you know, Jamie saying like, Hey, you know, you should come to Maryland and here's why. And just kind of, you know, like friends, like genuinely recruiting each other. Uh, so I think that that definitely helps. And, uh, uh, I think Maryland's kind of the clear team to be right now. And now uh, it's all about just kind of closing I hear you, Ahmed. I hear you. I'm, I'm reading between the lines, you know, we might have some updates this weekend. You have to be a paid subscriber to Inside the Black and Gold to get any more information. I got you. We, we guys, you just go to inside the black and and just, you know, be a paid subscriber and you'll know everything when you need to know it. That's yeah, what we're trying so, to tell you here. We'll, we'll, we'll see kind of what, what, uh, what, what uh, you know, it comes out of this weekend. So um, it'll, it'll be interesting. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been like, you know, this is uh, the most excited I've been about Maryland basketball in a long time. So I think that's, uh, you know, just a, a good sign of optimism going into the season, going into the season. It seems exciting. I can't get past this football season right now, though. I got to ride this high while we have it. You know, it's always works. So we got to we got to enjoy these first four to five weeks. There this is go. what we have as Terps fans. All right, yeah. you got to enjoy this beginning of the season, people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I guess just like one one other guy for basketball. Uh, Maryland made the uh, top five for uh, Putnam Science four star forward Muhammad Diabute. Uh, he uh, was slated to announce his visit schedule on Friday. That did not end up happening. But uh, with Maryland being in that top five, it's pretty clear that Maryland will get an official there. Uh, so where they kind of stand amongst that top five is kind of murky right now. Uh, but, you know, he's another guy that uh, obviously Maryland also made the uh, top 11 for four-star uh, South Kent guard uh, Marco Jackson. But, you know, top 11 going it's into a lot ball. of schools. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, I think that was, and I've kind of wrote about it a couple times this summer. He unofficially visited over the summer. I think a couple people on social media were saying he officially visited. That was not the case. He has all five official visits left. Um, so I think there's kind of a lot to figure out for Marco. Um, so, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens, but again, you know, Maryland has John Lamont and John Lamoth, uh, Jamie Kaiser. And then, you know, if what see if, if they do land Deshaun Harris Smith, like I expect them to right now, again, it's not hundred percent finalized. Maryland has to close that out, but, um, you know, if they do get him, that'd be three guards. And then are you getting a Marco Jackson? I mean, just logistically, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make sense with all these guys, especially four stars getting early playing time, uh, options, uh, uh, other schools more. Uh, more readily um, so we'll see but again Mohamed Diabute would be be, be that uh, four-star uh, wing player for for Maryland in this uh, projected five-man class like you said man kudos to Kevin Willard he hasn't wasted any time getting his feet to the pavement and making a dent out in the uh, in the local area specifically yeah uh, so it's it's really good to see this is uh, I think right now exceeding expectations at least for me in year one Looking yeah, great. I mean it, it's hard, especially you know, especially with local recruiting. I think that's kind of yeah. been the been the biggest biggest draw. I mean, uh, uh, Deshaun Harris Smith, if he commits, he'd be the fourth 
high school local signing, uh, excuse me, fourth local. Yeah, I butchered that twice. But uh, <laughs> both of those guys, uh, like I said, you know, just, just being able to lock down the top talent in the DMV, uh, I think that's just refreshing for a lot of Maryland fans. Yeah. So, um, you know, Willard, Willard knew that he needed to do that, and that was a uh, pain point for, for Maryland fans going into uh, the transition into the Willard era. Yeah, two very exciting teams here at Maryland. And, you know, Loxley's got a job to do. We got nine games to win this season. Let's go. And while he's doing that, he's got another job. We have to lock down our next year's recruiting class. So what we got going with the football side of things, Ahmed? Yeah, Churchill wide receiver Zeke Abbott, who's a uh, actually a two two sport athlete athlete on the uh, basketball side as well. Um, he's kind of told me a couple times, you know, it was going to be maybe an early fall or end of summer commitment, but uh, he'll be announcing his commitment at the end of the month. And uh, Maryland's in a good spot with him. Uh, good counsel. Outside linebacker Dylan Gooden was slated to announce on August 9th. Uh, he ended up postponing that decision, and his last visit was uh, on uh, July 30th for uh, Maryland's invite-only uh, barbecue. Uh, so Maryland's gradually becoming a bigger player in his recruitment, and uh, Carroll five-star Nick Harbor. Uh, That's might- the name. Yeah. He, like, we need might- those nine wins to convince there him. There it is. I was yeah. hoping you were going to bring him up. <laughs> 100%, man. Uh, he, he might end up rescheduling his official visit to LSU. Uh, he'll also officially visit South Carolina in mid-September. Uh, South Carolina is a definitely a school to watch with him. Um, he's Where the fuck did these guys come from? I'm so <laughs> done with South Carolina. I just you know don't what? even remember this being a thing. So I went <laughs> to, uh, and kind of sidetrack a little bit, but I went to the Spalding, uh, DeMatha scrimmage on Friday night and I was talking with someone, uh, actually a subscriber on, on inside the black and gold and kind of talking about South Carolina. And, you know, I had some friends, some of my friends that went to South Carolina out of high school and, you know, there's a lot, there's a heavier DMV present presence at South Carolina than, maybe you initially expected um and i think just kind of with how everything went out with jay sean barham last year um i think they're kind of also make dmv a little bit of an emphasis this cycle um yeah. i think it's kind of kind of interesting you know they're a hot school we uh, kicked a hornet's nest is that what you're talking about <laughs> yeah, like yeah i mean i don't Maryland or south really carolina did. style we put our hand in the fire ant nest yeah, i think at the end of the day south carolina realized you know that that the relationships that you know maryland had with jason barham and whatnot you know that that kind of um you know maryland was able to turn the tide heavier than they than south carolina could but um you know south carolina is doing a good job with nick harbor lsu is also a prominent contender. Michigan's still in there. And Maryland, that official, not finalized, not scheduled or anything like that, but should be the first weekend of December. That's kind of been the target. And then when I asked Harbor, he kind of said the same as well. So, um, you know, those December officials from Maryland, especially for local guys, you know, you can never rule them out. So um, we'll see. You know, it's going to take a lot. You know, uh, Nick. Maryland also a lot. Uh, Caleb Dean on the track and field team uh, this this past month. So th- that's a big loss when you look at, you know, Maryland prioritizing and emphasizing the track and field program, which is so prominent for Nick Harper. Um, so we'll see. Lot, lots to figure out. But one caveat that I want to mention with him is that, you know, a lot of the visits that he took, you know, USC visit uh, in, back in early summer, I believe. Um, he was out west for track and field, and the South Carolina visit that he took in July the, after the dead period, you know, he was not too far away because of a track meet. So he's like just now starting to really focus in on football. So that's why, um, you know, he was actually supposed to officially visit South Carolina back in June. Um, so this was a this was a, a reschedule, 
Um, so I think that there's a lot that he still needs to figure out in terms of, you know, what he wants, you know, inside of the ball. I mean, he still doesn't have a true, true preference. So um, it's it, it, going to be a hectic couple months. He'll sign in December. Or he will not enroll early. So we shall see. Nick, UMD or LSU, don't hurt me. Don't do any of this other garbage. I just, <laughs> LSU, I mean, I, I do, like, they do, they are a contender for him. Do I really see him playing under Brian Kelly? Like, I I don't. And I, he's I, embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> him and his fake Southern accent. Go yeah, out there, I mean, Brian Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just, I, 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 like, they're doing a good job recruiting him. I just, I, I don't know if, like, in my, my my mind right now based on like everything i've heard if i really see that being a realistic landing spot i and i know it's going to piss off some maryland fans i think it's south carolina that's more likely if he goes sec than lsu right now i mean there could be new schools that emerge jess is fake to me i just don't get it like if if you're if you're prioritizing somebody that's like a real genuine coach when you're saying brian kelly's out like it's kind of how i read that is brian kelly's probably the fakest coach you can think of the South Carolina guy is the same thing. He's you know out there doing TikTok dances and putting on the dress like like yeah shame. I I don't he that does, that's not you. Go back three years ago. That wasn't your personality. No. This is what you're putting on for the 18 year olds. Loxley is Loxley on off the field in his bar in with his boys. My my neighbor up here that hangs out with him in Vegas. Loxley's Loxley. That's who he is. So that's my my only counterpoint is, and I, I do agree with that, but. South Carolina, you know, their game day, their tailgate atmosphere is 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 a good time. Oh, their downtown it's a good time. Absolutely. I got really family good. right down there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, they, I, they I, win I, that. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. And uh, <laughs> but I if you're remember, playing, you're not participating in that. <laughs> no, 100%. But like that, those are the things that, you know, you kind of see. When and you go on you know, the visit, that's what the hype is, man. That's yeah. where all the excitement builds is from the outside in, man. So it's. Yeah. It's so all you about listeners that aren't experience. coming to the games on Saturdays exactly. the problem. Get your ass down there and come party with us. <laughs> and, and it's kind of uh, it sounds stupid, and I 100% acknowledge it. And I definitely brought this up during the Tosin and Babalade recruitment down the stretch. But South Carolina fans do a really good job on social media, reaching out, making a kid feel wanted. And you know, some recruits prioritize and pay attention to that more than others. But um, you know, it's been consistent from their end. So if you're a Maryland fan um, and you feel like you know that's kind of something you're interested in. Just saying, you know, in the NIL era, you can tweet the hell out of recruits. So, um, you know, Maryland, it's you look at, you know, guys that have committed, you know, the 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 feedback, and then you look at look at any of the guys that have recently committed to South Carolina. It's it's not not the same wavelength. So, we'll see. Uh, again, with Nick Harbor, there's going to be a lot, and I'm not saying that's a guy that's going to you know be focusing on who who tweets on him at the end of the day because he's going to be a guy that commands significant NIL. And I know some of the questions are going to be for Maryland fans, you know. Maryland doesn't have NIL. Uh, what, what? What? We can't compete, and that's excuse my French, but that's just bullshit. Because Look. even even Turtle NIL, when that was not finalized and that wasn't public, you know, wasn't uh, eliminating the possibility for basketball players to get NIL opportunities. And you know, when there were schools that were approaching Raheem Jarrett, uh, I know Alabama has been kind of publicly linked to them already. You know, there's been some other schools that kind of sniffed at him. Um, you know, we don't have a uh, NIL collector for football finalized just yet but um you know 
it, we're we're not completely inept. We we take care of you know the guys. So um, so we'll see. Hey, I'm we'll hoping see. that new director of NIL is just a shell corp. We're just gonna pay him like nine million dollars a year, <laughs> yeah. and he gets to spend eight and a half of it on kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> plot, plot twist: the uh, the director of NIL is just an LLC set up in the Cayman Islands. Yes, that's great. Right. That's exactly what I was hoping it was. <laughs> and we're gonna take a large percentage of our Big Ten TV payout and put it in that. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. exactly. So. It'll be an interesting few months, so we shall see how it all unravels. <laughs> you guys mentioned Brian Kelly, and I had a squirrel moment. Uh, did either one of you guys watch the Manti Teo doc, uh, documentary? I did. I did. <laughs> and I told myself I wasn't going to, and I told myself I just can't believe that he's actually doing this. <laughs> And I was, I feel, I respect Manti Teo now. I feel bad for him now. I when feel you so used to be relevant him, and now man. you're not relevant, you need to make a Netflix documentary, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> like, we just, back then, we just had no, like, concept of, like, catfishing and what it was. And we have all of us, like, social media, we all just jumped on him as, like, what an idiot. This guy, yeah. like, pretend girlfriend, all this thing. Like, and we all blamed him. Like, somehow, like, like he manifested this thing on his own and did it on his own right. And then when you listen to that documentary, you're like, Oh my God. Like everybody in the world yeah. <laughs> owes this guy an apology. Like it's just awful. Like I never felt that like Manti Teo. I mean, I know some people were like, Oh, did he do this all himself after, you know, his grandma passed? And I never thought I felt that, but I definitely was like, wow, this guy is an idiot. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I definitely felt bad for him. Um, yeah. So I haven't yeah. watched yet. I don't know if I want to, but everybody's watching. So I will. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, it's yeah. pretty good. It's, it's only two episodes too. So it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely, we're definitely worth your time. <laughs> right. Uh, Ryan, I know you wanted to bring up uh, a recent member that got announced to the Terps hall of fame as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of speaks to how old I am. So <laughs> the Terps hall of fame representatives this year uh, really hit into kind of the wheelhouse of my Terps fandom. Um, these people were all very relevant when I was in high school. So like old enough to have fun, old enough to go down and do dumb stuff on campus, but still young enough that like these players were kind of gods to me. Um, so of course we had some big names all the way across Christy Tolliver winning the national championship for the women's team, all these guys, but Vernon Davis um, was the football representative here. And Vernon Davis is probably one of the biggest memories I have um, from Terps, uh, for my Terps experience. So I, I'm going to let uh, Locks talk first and then kind of touch on my memories of Vernon Davis here. Yeah, you know, he was part of a class that was probably one of the more higher-ranked classes uh, that, that Maryland has had. And I can remember, um, you know, he's a guy that, much like the Rockhams and the Stefan Diggs, he was part of the forefather of the, the, the DMV movement of staying home and, uh, could have went anywhere in the country and decided to stay right here at home and and, and made a uh, used this platform to create a, a great career at the NFL and then and now and even beyond with some of the things he's doing in the, his uh, life after football um, comes from a great family grandma Miss Adeline who you know I've had an opportunity to get to know her very well having recruited Vernon to to Maryland and obviously Vontae his brother to Illinois uh, know the family very well. Um, was a, a guy, like I said, that came in, uh, stayed home, made a show that staying home, you still can uh, reach the goals you want to reach by playing here at Maryland for the hometown team. And uh, again, a, a great Terp. Yeah, I mean, he was the dude of all dudes. Like One of the most complete tight ends in, in Terp history, if not the most. Complete. Yeah, and I mean, his NFL career backs up everything that he did here in, his, yeah. in the Terps career, too. I mean, I, I was... You know, 
drafting him far too early in fantasy drafts to make sure I had a, a stocked turp surprise, as always. Surprise. You know, Fred's Fred's <laughs> gonna take all my money this year because he'll know when I'm that he'll get me to to buy DJ Moore in the second round or something stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. I would sit there in section seven and literally every time he touched the ball, I would just chant NFL. And that was just basically his name. I mean, and, and the whole, th- that was back in the day when our section was kicking it. So I would have the whole section kicking with me, <laughs> NFL. Um, so it was an awful lot of fun. If you needed three yards, hand it to him. You needed six yards, throw it to him. You know, the man could do literally anything. Some of my fondest memories, multiple field rushes during his time. Uh, he's a great. Um, even though he's doing some weird stuff with his acting post football, like uh, I, I haven't seen a, <laughs> I haven't seen a movie worthwhile yet. But hopefully someday he can transition from these uh, B-rate movies to the the uh, rock like uh, uh, Hollywood lifestyle that he's trying to represent there. But on the football field, man uh, against boys, and some of my fondest memories as a Terp fan, absolutely. Yeah, definitely a guy that, like I said, most complete tight end and i followed his career through the nfl his years with the 49ers he was uh, a very effective tight end could have been used yeah. a little bit more i think in the offense but uh man he's uh just a great person a great guy and and a great tight end all right well we appreciate you guys tuning in as always it's a wrap on this week's episode uh stay tuned we got two more weeks before season kicks off we'll probably get at least one more if not two more shows out prior to the season kicking off uh if you guys want to follow the show make sure you're doing so on all of our social media accounts you can follow the the show on twitter at shell and tell pod you can follow ryan at terps b Espert. follow me at fred blbs follow ahmed at kafir the turtle and at inside black and gold if you're not doing that by now you're wasting your time get there sign up follow the account for all the latest scoops and updates on recruits ryan sign us off All right, guys, well, get down to the stadium. Make memories of your own. I'm telling you, it's worthwhile. Bring your kids, bring your wife, bring anybody down here. It's a good-ass time. If you want to hang out with the Shell and Tell boys, we're down there in lot 4B every every Saturday before the game. And if you're not from here, we're probably coming close to you. We're headed down to Charlotte and out to Michigan. So come talk to your boys. Guys, we only got 14 days left, so it's more important than ever. We got to keep these boys safe, keep these boys healthy, get into the air with action. So here's to wishing all is well under the show.